You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. We've been getting you geared up for Sunday's AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium all week long. We'll continue to do that right here on Best of the Week. We'll start off with Out of Structure with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner. They broke down key moments from the Chiefs' win over the Buffalo Bills, including Do It Kells. Then, around the 14-minute mark, we head into the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show with Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. They've got their world-famous marinated takeaways. We'll follow that up with the Great British Chief Show as Tom and Brad take our first look at the Cincinnati Bengals. That's going to be around the 26-minute mark. Then we'll take a quick timeout when we get back. We debuted a brand new show this week on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. It's Chiefs Coast to Coast with Aaron Ladd and Mark Gunnels. Then, show and BK, myself, run the show Hughley, Brandy, and Kylie. Want Andy Reid to try to stay away from getting too cute this weekend against the Bengals. That's around the 46-minute mark. And then we'll wrap things up as Pete Sweeney sat down with NFL analyst and former ESPN host Trey Wingo to discuss these very Cincinnati Bengals and why he thinks the Chiefs will triumph Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. All that's coming up on today's Best of the Week. That last play before regu- before the game-tying field goal at the end of regulation, where Mahomes finds Kelsey to finally to set up that field goal, there was, and if you see, you know, Chase Snyder, great fall on Twitter, you know, future of broadcasting, a Chiefs fan, but uh, he tweeted it out, uh, that was a video I saw at least, where, and Kelsey talked about this after the game, Mahomes and Kelsey were actually communicating during the cadence. And I guess they were having a conversation before the play. And Kelsey said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to run where the open space is not necessarily the route. Right. He was telling Mahomes that and Mahomes, I guess somehow maybe didn't confirm it. But then during the cadence, you hear Mahomes go, Kelsey, do it, Kelsey, do it, do it, do it. Like I think telling him, do what you just said to me, like kind of confirming that he should do just get into open space. And what do you know? He, he gets wide open and, and gets, you know, 20, 30 yards to set it up. So that that just shows you, you know, we talked about the Kelsey Mahomes chemistry all year. It has been shaky. I think that's a fact. It has been like there's been times where it's like they just didn't seem on the same page as much as in the past. But when it matters most, man, that chemistry came through. That was huge. That was maybe the biggest play of the game. I mean, that's a game winning play right there. And and it's and if you're a Bills fan, how are you how are you not paying more attention to where Kelsey is in that play? Chiefs had timeouts. They could have thrown it anywhere on the field. They didn't need to go to the sideline, and they just gave Kelsey a, a, a you know an open release to the inside into the middle of the field. That's pretty inexcusable, Stags. As as great of a of a game and finish as that was for the Chiefs, I think the Bills did a lot to screw that at the end of the game up too. Yeah, and, and again, just thinking about context here, the Chiefs did all of that. They put up that those points. They moved the ball at in those moments. Put up forty two points against the number one defense in the NFL. I mean, this was not a this was not a Buffalo defense that uh, you know was full of scrubs or that was uh, that was struggling or didn't have the ability uh, to stop this Chiefs offense. On that play, I, I think Kelsey ran a great route. Um, you know, and, and you said he was improvising. Absolutely, he was. Uh, but there's not a lot of guys that can cover him when he is when he runs a crisp route. When, when that happens, it's it's over. Um, he's going to be open. And unless he's unless he's just getting destroyed coming off the line of scrimmage, he's he's going to find a spot. He's going to be open. And at that moment, this is a team that has been through it all. Right. They've had those games when Kelsey and Hill were taken out, when they were both beat up, when nobody seemed uh, to be able to rise to the occasion. They've been through their struggles. They've been to Super Bowls. There's nothing this team hadn't seen. And in that moment, 
those guys were locked in. It was uh, it was Jordan in the zone. It was LeBron in his prime. I've seen I've heard all of the comparisons to the NBA, but those guys were absolutely locked in at that point in time, and you knew it was going to be them, and you knew they wouldn't be denied, and and it played out just like a like a movie. If this were a movie, you would say that it was not a realistic one. If this were Friday Night Lights, this would be a finish that you'd be like, "Come on, that that's not no no game is really going to happen that way." Uh, and, and that's what just makes it uh, all the that much sweeter. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm glad you kind of got back to this this big more bigger picture point because something you were talking about with Mahomes, this it almost feels like with with in this era of Mahomes as Chiefs fans. We've seen so many great moments. We've seen so many just like incredible, just like how the heck did that just happen that we haven't seen before in, in our fans, his, our fandom history. It almost kind of feels like you couldn't top what we've already seen. And like somehow this was even crazier of, of a performance in terms of just how, how good Mahomes is, just how you know inevitable he is. Or I mean, we saw the Chargers game earlier this year. I think it fits a very similar description. Like it looked like the Chiefs should have lost that game at some point and they somehow come back and win that game. This team, that's where experience matters, man. It really is. You know, it's not like the Bills' lack of experience killed them, although I do think there is something to that at the end of the game, and, and actually maybe this is where I'll get into my next point. I think Andy Reid just outcoached Sean McDermott straight up. I, I, I keep seeing maybe some things where, you know, Andy may not have coached that well. I, I you know, I, you know, AP post game. I shout out those guys that do a great job. Uh, Ron, the show, Hughley actually joined Rocky and Serta last night, and he was kind of he was kind of putting a lot on Andy, right? He was kind of you know he was putting a lot of heat on Andy. Like if we would have lost this game, you know, Andy's on you know that's there's a lot on him to go off of. I don't necessarily know. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like I, I think Andy Reid did a great job managing his timeouts, having all three of them at the end of that game. He also did a great job in terms of just getting you know the play calling to get those two plays. We saw Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys. When he had 14 seconds left, he ran a quarterback draw and didn't get the playoff. Didn't get a playoff the next snap. Andy Reid is getting 60 yards in 13 seconds and setting up a game tying field goal. He deserves credit for that. That's not just Mahomes. That's that's Andy Reid's play calling. You know, not 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 overthinking it. Get it to Tyree Kill really quick on that first play and get as many yards as possible, right? And I think that was that was an awesome play. So I don't know. I, I, and I think Sean McDermott kind of. Blew, I already kind of mentioned it, but I I think there was some Bill stuff where they just didn't manage the game down the stretch and and Andy. And 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 the other thing too with Andy, I guess, is just somehow some of the times how the offense was scoring. I mean, the designs, the screen game design, how he got Tyreek open at times, um, and just the the way they were using the running backs too. Which we'll get onto that. But overall, Andy Reid coached a hell of a game, in my opinion. I you know it's never going to be perfect, but um, when you're talking about yeah. the offense all in the game management part of it, I think Andy did a really good job. There'll be a couple of moments that you're right. If it had gone the other way, you you could second guess um, that. The play right after the Tyreek Hill punt return, um, that drive, the series where Mahomes didn't throw the ball uh, at all and, and it ended in a Blake Bell option, Ill, ill-fated a Blake yeah, Bell sure. option pitch that that, that went nowhere. That's one of those decisions that people will say, Andy Reid got too cute. Um, you know, you, you don't take the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Obviously, had that worked, then nobody would be complaining. You know, so it's really some revisionist history, right? It's it's that hindsight where trick plays are awesome when they work and, and stupid when they don't, right? Like there's there's just a uh, you know there's really those situations where um, it's kind of a no win situation for the coach, right? It's it's you know you, you make a call and if if it works, you're the hero. If it doesn't, uh, you're you're the you're the you're the reason it didn't work. Uh, and whether that's fair or not. But I do think game management-wise, um, and you pointed out some really specific plays when it comes to, like, Tyreek Hill's route tree um, and that and that screen to McKinnon that started the overtime drive. Those were a couple of plays that you talked about how they they sort of saved for that moment, right? Yeah, no, exactly. That I think say, they, they must have. Um, if you look at Tyreek... You know, next gen stats always does a great job. They have a they have like a map of the route tree, every route that a receiver ran for the game. And if you look at Tyreek's, every one of there was one other route that didn't get completed to him, but every other route he ran that game, besides his touchdown, was within 10 yards, almost almost within five yards, honestly, of the line of scrimmage, short passes, get him the ball in his hands quick and let him, 
you know, get yak. And that's what you have to do against the Bills. But when it mattered most, I think they saved that intermediate inbreaker where they know there's they found they waited for a situation where they know they're gonna have two man, so cover two with man underneath. They manned up Tyree Kill with two safeties over the top. That's not always smart. Um, and and they waited for the perfect time and tire and, and that's what happened. And then we you saw obviously Micah Hyde get broken down um in space. But at the same time, you said the screen uh in overtime. Yeah, that, that was a great screen design. Jeff Schwartz broke it down on Twitter. Go check that out for a closer look at it. But the best part about it, in my opinion, was the the design of it. It's not just a regular screen. It was so we actually saw this. They did this against the Steelers too. But so Jerick McKinnon starts on the left. He actually at, at the snap goes right. Looks like it's going to be a play action, a little token play action fake. So he rolls right. That's going to make the linebackers go to the right as well. And then a second later, he's coming back to the left to receive that screen pass. And the linebackers that moved to the right, they never came back to the left, right? Because there was other routes being picked up. So he just naturally moved right at first and then picked up another route. If he would have stayed to the left and he picked up another route, he still wouldn't have been able to come make the play because he was just in that general vicinity. So it's a great play design by Andy. And the fact that he saved that for overtime, I mean, he didn't run that the entire regulation. But these screen designs, we talked about it last week. This is this is where Andy can really, like, this is where Andy puts his, you know, he this is where he puts it on the table, right? Like this is this is where he really can be a huge advantage over another defense. Obviously, is is the screen game. I think that's something that everyone talks about. He's the screen master, and we're seeing the best version of those screens in the playoffs. And with the running backs playing the way they are, that's the perfect way to kind of get the offense rolling at times. What I love about it is it's it's obviously a brilliant play design, a brilliant call, and the ability for him to save it for that for the exact right moment. Um, was great. I love the fact that they use that in order to get that drive rolling in overtime so that it doesn't stall out and it doesn't, you know, there's no doubt that sets in. It's just, let's just keep this thing rolling and this is a great way to keep it moving. But the other thing that you got to appreciate about that play and about the way that he coaches the screen game, and Jeff Swartz talks about this all the time. Uh, Jeff Allen's talked about it before. I've heard a lot of Chiefs offensive linemen and former offensive linemen talking about the precision in which he teaches the screen game, that it is a very, very precise, well-orchestrated thing. It's not um, relying on, you know, players to, to know, you know, exactly uh, rely on instinct or anything like that. It is, you, you have to be in this exact spot at this exact time and it's so well-coordinated. Those plays were beautifully executed. So it takes play calling it takes good timing, but it also takes great execution. And that play, especially with those three interior offensive linemen, the way that they timed it, the way that they moved in space, the way that they sold it. You talked about McKinnon selling it um, right as, as, a, as the snap got underway. But also Mahomes in his body language, he yeah, looked yeah. like, and I, as I was watching that play, I remember for a split second thinking, oh, no, this play is in trouble because Mahomes had this body language like a quarterback who was who was under pressure who was panicking he he you know pump faked he uh you know kind of scrambled around and he had this look about him like it was not a screen and things were were breaking and and uh i think the the cell the execution down to every detail including their body language and being in exactly the right place at the right time uh you know, really speaks to the fact that they work on this, they practice it, and they don't just practice it, they practice every detail of it in such a way that when it matters the most, they can be so precise and, and execute so beautifully. Yeah, and you, you that's the most impressive part about it, right, is you're talking about how much preparation this, this goes into it. There's two rookies in, that, in those three interior offensive line spots I know Tooney is a, obviously – he's already one of the best screen guards in the game. People have talked about how – and that might be why, you know, the Chiefs wanted him. Hey, you know, in the Andy Reid screen game, this guy is a weapon by himself. No matter, He, he might be more important than who the running back is, right? Um, but then the, for the two rookies, for Creed and Trey to be, you know, so good with their landmarks already, so good where what they need to be. Jeff broke it down on that, that tweet, but Creed was the first one that needed to get out there, and he made the key block on that play. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing. And it's why we didn't see the screen game as much last year, I think, is because they didn't have the offensive line to to do it. And now and now we might see 
the best screen design over the next few years of Andy's career because he might be able to do stuff that no other interior offensive line can do because of how well Tooney and Creed can move in space. And then, you know, Trey, Trey may not be able to move as well in space, but when he's out there, he's going to nail somebody and take him out of the play. So, um, yeah, it, it's an, it's exciting, man. It's, it, it's really exciting, uh, this offense right now, how it's, how it's turning, man. I really think, and this is, you know, we'll talk about the Bengals more, but I could really see this game just being like a, just, they're going to roll off this momentum. I really, I could really see the Chiefs kind of rolling um, in the AFC Championship, uh, not not maybe having too much trouble. That's just an initial reaction for me right now. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, coming off that Chiefs major overtime win over the Buffalo Bills. I read an article this morning, John, from Yahoo Sports, and it was listening to Bills Talk Radio <clears throat> on Monday. <laughs> It was not good. It was not good. This is a franchise in a city that ha- is utterly crushed by this. They're, they're similar to Kansas City in that, that sense. They're so into the football team, and they have never won uh, a championship. So this one ha- has really hurt them. Anyway, that, enough of enough of poo-pooing on those <laughs> Buffalo Bills. When we get to this game and, and the marinade takeaways, we talked about one for you earlier, John, when it comes to the overtime rules. What else you got for us? Well, um, it's already been pointed out by our fine writers at arrowheadpride.com that uh, Stefan Diggs was held to just seven yards on three catches uh, on Sunday. But I think there, I think this argument can be extended a little bit. In that first game uh, against the Bills, Dawson Knox, the tight end, had 117 yards on three catches. Hmm. On Sunday, Knox had... Uh, two catches for nine yards. Okay. That's a big difference too. Um, We have Emmanuel Sanders. who had three catches for 54 yards in the first matchup on Sunday. He had one catch for 16 yards. Uh, Cole Beasley was held to almost nothing in the first game, but actually played pretty well. Got some, got some production in this game. uh, Six catches for 60 yards. So, the question becomes, how do you not cover Gabriel Davis, this guy who has basically been, you know, the fourth wide receiver for the Bills this year, the fourth right. or fifth, whatever it turns out to be. How do you not cover that guy? Well, here's the answer to that question. Because everybody else is covered. You have to have okay. Mike Hughes one-on-one with him. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Because everybody else, yeah. because Gabriel Davis was the only guy who was available because the Chiefs were other covering the other guys so well, the guys that they knew could really hurt them. And so then the question becomes, well, then why don't you start covering Gabriel Davis that way? Well, because you can't leave Stefan Diggs alone. You can't leave Dawson Knox alone. Right. You've got to cover these guys or they're going to hurt you. You Never know they're get Dawson Knox catching that ball and Tyron Matthew just throwing those hands in the air, looking down yeah. the field, saying, yeah. "Dan Sorensen, what are you doing?" This uh, marked the first divisional round in which Dan didn't have one of those major plays, and so the my divisional Dan nickname really took a hit, and that hurts, I think, in this game. Yeah, I well, would like to have seen a Dan Sorensen play. Maybe he's saving it for the AFC title. But I think this is an important piece of perspective we need to have on how the secondary played in Sunday night's game. Um, they did what they needed to do is they took those other players out and credit to Josh Allen here for going ahead and taking a chance on throwing passes to Gabriel Davis. Cause you know, not every quarterback would do that. They'd, they'd try and fit in a throw to Stefan yeah. Diggs or Dawson Knox, you know, or Emmanuel Sanders rather than go to Davis credit to Josh Allen for recognizing the guy could make the plays and continuing to do that. So that comes down to again having a really good quarterback playing on the other team, and and we're we're all in agreement that he did. But I I think it's important for us to recognize what the secondary really did and didn't do on Sunday. And one of the things they did was take away all of their playmakers. Yeah, it's still I think a, a Tyron Matthew and Fenton thing a little bit because you trust sure. those guys more one on one, and yeah. I think it it spills into like okay, so now Tyron Matthew becomes your slot guy, and then you can have Thornhill back there and maybe those you know maybe it does yeah. make a difference totally hey, fair games go, games are going to go how they go we'll never know what happens if tyron matthew plays in this game but 42 36 overtime win for the chiefs so i know this has become a a topic and this is my first one where 
Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in the play of the game, in my opinion, where Travis Kelsey gets Butker into to field goal range on the 25 yard reception. It's been widely talked about. I know they talked about it on, on out of structure about how Travis Kelsey was freelancing a bit, talked with Mahomes mm-hmm. prior to the snap. Mahomes saw something and saw the similar type of coverage. And basically during his cadence told Kelsey to do it, looked off the safety and gave him the perfect window to 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 just find the route and or the ad libbed route and, and get that that field goal range and then and the first down. So what I'll just try to add to some of it and, and you know from my experience. So in the past when we've talked to Andy Reid and and it's always a topic of Patrick Mahomes development. And this is more of like off season conversations. He's always like, look, I give Patrick Mahomes the tools. We design the plays. We rep the plays. But when it really comes down to it, he has the keys and those keys, the keys to the car essentially means he can audible at the line. He could switch into, you know, what's hot. He can do things like this with Travis Kelsey. And I think by extension, Andy Reid gives Kelsey the keys. Kelsey went up to Mahomes and said, I'm basically just going to run to where it's open. (laughs) Yeah, that's like me in the backyard. That's that's not, yeah. you know, and for Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy and that team to have the trust in them to be like, OK, you, you have the freedom to do this. I just think it was like a slight glimpse into maybe what happens quite a bit. And this is maybe the first time it really, I think, came to light. And we just kind of noticed. Does Travis Kelsey notice things on a regular basis? And he's just like, yo, Pat, I'm <laughs> going to this spot, man. Yeah. And you can just find me. And then I think back to previous playoffs and these playoffs are starting to run through in my mind. So I can't even name the exact game it was, but maybe the Texans, I don't know, but where they have this throw and they go to NFL films and it's like, how did you know I'm going to be there? And Patrick is like, I just knew, I just thought in my mind you'd be there. And, and they're like, whoa. And they like have this like stepbrothers moment. And I'm, I'm just like, maybe this is the key, man. Maybe they're just so, in in sync with each other that this is why Travis Kelsey is able to to put up these numbers because how do you prepare if you're a defender how do you prepare for a route that's not on tape because he's making it up he's making it yeah. up you well you can't you, you can't, can't. You but can't. you can but you can and now they know to be listening to what Mahomes says in the right. stand or do it kills you're gonna yeah. it do it do <laughs> or, or he might say, you know, do it, do it, uh, do it, Marcus. You know, it's snay on the do it snay, Kels. <laughs> um, anyway, I just think that's fascinating. I know it's been talked about quite a bit, so I'm, I had to add to it. Um, I know we used one of yours earlier, John. I, I'm going to guess you. Do you have one on Butker? Um, no, I, oh, I, I was you know, going to be upset about Butker. I got nothing I can say to you. I really, no, don't. I just figured your marinated takeaway would be on, on the ice in his veins and the kick. I, I just oh, know well, you're, but you're this, pro, you're the special teams guy news. of this podcast for sure. Yeah. yeah. This is old news though. Okay. okay? Right. I mean, it's, you know, if I, I, if you really want to talk about special teams, I think that punt where they had two uh, punt returners on the field is interesting to think about. Uh, they messed that up. I don't know what they had in mind. I noticed it when they were lining up for it. It's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they got Hardman and Hill back there. What are they going to do? Mm. And and I don't know if uh, if the Bills messed that up by kicking to the left, which they did on that play. Right. Uh, it might be that if they'd kicked it down the middle, what we would have seen is, uh, you know, one of the one of those guys throwing a pass to the other guy. Well, I guess it'd be a lateral. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they had in mind, but somehow it didn't play out. And, uh, uh, and, and of course the play did not go, isn't that, that's the one where the ball ended up on the one yard line, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know what they were doing there. They had something going. They didn't put yeah. those two punt returners back there for no reason. Um, and I, so we'll just have to see if they try that again, whatever it was. Yeah. I have a quick point on that and then I'll get to my other things quick here. Um, Because we're trying to push along. Tyree Kill is a punt returner and a returner. It's such an advantage that I almost think the Chiefs need to consider it regularly. And I know there's a risk involved in it. And I I understand that part of it. Mm -hmm. But just being in the punter's mind. So 
I mean, either way, you're going to kick it to Hill. And he's he's the best returner in history. I mean, you could clearly see it. You can clearly mm-hmm. see it. So you're either kicking to the best returner in NFL history or would be if he was getting the opportunities or you're just like, well, we need to kick this out of bounds. We've seen when punters get under that pressure. So you're you're getting maybe a shake like maybe the puncher punts it perfectly. It's rare when he has to place it perfectly, like the coffin mm-hmm. corner, for example. Mm-hmm. So you're probably getting short field every time. And I just wonder. And I you you're, you're from the podium later. Because I'm asking Dave Tobe this, so hopefully uh, Dave is prepared by listening to our our editor show podcast here. But I'm definitely morning, ask Dave. On... Morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to ask this, Uncle Dave, on Thursday. Do you have to consider it at a certain point? You know, I just think it's such an advantage because if you're either starting with a short field or Tyreek gets to maybe give you a short field every time, wait, you have to at least consider that. And Dave, I I think that Dave will tell me. It's not up to me and, and do a sheepish smile and, and Brad will quickly move on. You know, you make the point about it being risky that you can't risk having Tyreek Hill back there and be exposed to snaps where people are going at him full tilt. And that's a fair point. But you also have to wonder how many times he would actually get an opportunity to catch. That's what I mean. Ball. Yeah, that's what right, I mean. Right. I, so you're making a good point there. I'm agreeing with you. That is an interesting yeah. point. That, um, uh, that maybe that risk is is eliminated by the fact that they wouldn't even try and kick to him. I think that's right. an I think that's a fair point. I didn't see an awful lot from the offensive side, which would really give the Chiefs any worries. I, I really don't. I, I don't. I can't see it. Other yeah, than Jamar Chase. <laughs> As I said, I mean, it comes entirely down to Steve Spagnolo yeah. and what he believes is the right way to attack this game. He can't go into this game with the same plan as Week 17. He just can't because no. Burrow will see Chase versus Ward and think, right, here we go again. Mismatch. Let's exploit that. Let's let's go again. It's, it, it, it's just not going to happen. The big thing, I suppose, is what the offense, the Chiefs offense can do in relation to... Mm the Chiefs defensive output. If the Chiefs concede less than 24 points, you fancy the Chiefs to score more than 24 against this Bengals defense, surely? Like they just scored 42 oh, yeah. against the number one ranked defense in all Oh yeah, football. I've got them scoring higher than that. Yeah, for sure. So what was the score in the last one? What? 34-31, the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And think about how much help the Bengals had in that particular game. Yeah. Not just from the fact that Steve Spagnolo refused to double up Jamar Chase. Not from the fact that the referees were really, really bad. But the Chiefs in general were bad. Like the Chiefs were bad themselves. The coaching performance in the the last few minutes of that game was horrendous. Not letting the Bengals score, not going for it on fourth downs, punting to get the ball back, not giving Mahomes an opportunity to go on and win the game. Like just, there were so many mishaps from the Chiefs and the refs in that game Mm. that it was heavily swayed towards a Bengals victory anyway. And I just don't see how the Chiefs in their own building, an experienced, well-drilled, battled-hardened playoff team like the Chiefs can make those sort of mistakes again against a really young, aggressive, but inexperienced team like the Bengals. Like, If you're the Bengals, you need to go into this game with just a well, you only live once. We got her anyway. We might as well just go for it type of attitude. Because Four downs and two-point conversions. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> the only way you're going to beat this team. If you're going yeah. to try and go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in the sense of, oh, we're going to play our game, mm. it's not going to work because the Chiefs just aren't going to be as bad as they were in week 17. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying about Spags probably having a look at changing the uh, the defence, which he will have to do, like you said, like you've mentioned. He will have to do that because of, of how it played out last time. The problem I've got is is Joe Mixon will feed off this. Um, if he if he's if he's getting through a um, a, def- a defensive line of four, and yeah. we're sitting deep, he's going to find a few a few of those holes. Probably not as much, but he's 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 going to be a bit more um, involved than what he was last time. I would say. Well, when was the last time like a run heavy team beat the Chiefs? Yeah, 
when was the last time that a team could just lean on the run to beat the Chiefs? It's it's, it's not going to happen. I, I I don't fear Joe Mixon at all. You know, Joe Mixon's Joe Mixon's a great running back, but he doesn't possess the fear factor of like a Derek Henry, a Jonathan Taylor, or like a Christian McCaffrey. He's not a type of running back that you you need to game plan around. Like the, if you're Steve Spagnuolo, you're game planning around stopping those receivers: Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Uh, T Higgins and how do you get pressure on Joe Burrow that's that's what you're game planning around if if Joe Mixon does get his yeah fine he might get a few yards he might get the odd touchdown but is that going to be enough for the Bengals to score enough points to keep up with the Chiefs probably not because as soon as they get down to the red zone everything's going to shorten up it's going to be much harder for them to run the football and he's going to become ineffective and plus, we've got this guy called Nick Bolton who just seems to be making play after play in the backfield at the moment and stopping yeah. running backs at will. Yeah. I'm not worried about Joe. I'm not worried about Joe Mixon. You shouldn't no. be anyway. You this know is when you tell me he's your one to watch, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> Other than what we've just mentioned, how do the Bengals beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game? After seeing what I've with seen in the last game. Perform- with a repeat performance of week 17 from all parties involved. What, when Jamar the Chiefs were poor? To electric, <laughs> the Chiefs to be awful, and the rest to call the Chiefs for penalties that were probably unwarranted. Like, it was the perfect storm for the Bengals in week 17. Yeah. And they probably need a repeat performance from all three sides for them to win in win in our head. I, I, I don't want to come across as cocky, well, I'm going to come across as cocky, I suppose, but <laughs> I'm I'm supremely confident in this team right now. Yeah. After some, what I saw on Sunday, yeah, last week I picked against the Chiefs, but I thought the Bills had an excellent chance, and they were 13 seconds away from it. But mm. the Bills are not the Bengals. Rather, sorry, the Bengals are not the Bills. Mm-hmm. The Bills are a far superior team to the Bengals, and I look at this and I see the Chiefs as one foot in the Super Bowl already. The Chiefs won't see it like that because the Chiefs are like the ultimate competitors. They're so experienced. They they take it one day at a time. That's what they do. Yeah. But as fans, as podcasters, we're allowed to be confident. We're allowed to be overconfident. If we lose, we have to suffer the consequences. If people want to keep their receipts and uh, send us to freezing cold takes, then so be it. <laughs> but as fans, we're allowed to be confident. And right now, my confidence level in this team is at 100%. And I'm sitting here already thinking of what I'm going to do for the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> yeah, are we, go- are we going? Are we going away, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're arranging it now. We're not. <laughs> Let's not jinx it. Let's not jinx anything, Tom. Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> Predictions for this game. I've actually gone for quite a comfortable Chiefs 38, Bengals 14. Chiefs 35, Bengals 24. Oh, okay. Yeah, this team aren't losing on Sunday. No. After, not after the victory that we just had against the Bills. No way. Like, it would be unforgivable to lose on Sunday. Yeah. In fact, I think it would be the biggest failure of Patrick Mahomes' career so far if we lose on Sunday. Because I would possibly agree with that, yes. Even though the Bengals do have those wonderful uniforms, those wonderful white uniforms, oh, that you are about the uniform. they are the best. They are the best uniforms in football. Those white Bengals jerseys are wonderful, and I cannot wait to see them grace the Arrowhead turf. But um, <laughs> even without, even with their superstar look, the Bengals are just not on the Chiefs level. They're good. They are very good and they are deserving of where they are right now. To to win two playoff games is not an easy feat. For them to win the division for the first time in God knows how long. Well done, Bengals. Excellent season. You will see this season as a success regardless of what happened yep. happens yep. this upcoming Sunday. But the journey ends now. The journey does end now. You're coming against a team that is just far superior more experience, more complete, more ready for the moment. They're at home. It just I just do not see a way in which the Bengals manage to overcome this Chiefs team the way they are at the moment, mm-hmm. especially with Fenton coming back, especially with Tyron Matthew coming back. Full week of practice. I just I I I can only see a comfortable Chiefs victory. Can I just say as well, um I mentioned this to you a few weeks back in a chat. And I said I had a dream. And the dream was that a team in the Super Bowl that was wearing all white were going to win it. 
I just hope it's not the Bengals. <laughs> I know the Chiefs have got all white as well. And, you know, um, it, whatever happens and whichever teams are in the Super Bowl, I will be betting on the team that is wearing all white purely for that. So dream. that would be the Rams or 49ers, because I'm pretty sure the AFC's turned to wear home jerseys this year. Have they? So, yeah. So if the Chiefs play in the Super Bowl, they'll be wearing red. And the Rams will be wearing their all whites at oh, home. Right. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. You just heard from Out of Structure, the AP Editor Show, the Great British Chiefs Show. Now we'll keep things moving with Chiefs Coast to Coast with Mark Gunnels and Aaron Ladd. So to steal a, a phrase from Bill Belichick's uh, old playbook, Chiefs on to Cincinnati. Patrick Mahomes says he's back in the facility on Monday and already looking at film because the job's not finished. I agree with you. I think they're still motivated by last year, uh, that feeling of what it was like to be that close, um, to to extend this dynasty, to do what they wanted to do. Uh, and the job wasn't finished. No matter how beautiful last year was, it was seen as a failure. I think Clyde Edwards-Larry even said today, our goal is to win a championship. That's it. So while all the rosy feelings that were brought along with the divisional round win are good, uh, the ultimate prize is still on the table, like you said. Yeah, I mean... This team, I mean, we saw after they won their first championship, Tyreek was basically comparing them to the Michael Jordan Bulls, saying we're chasing seven, eight rings and things of that. Not nature. one, not yeah. two, not three. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, one ring is just not acceptable when you have guys saying that things. And we know Patrick Mahomes, he's probably not going to admit it, but he wants to chase Tom Brady as well. And he has seven rings. And I'm not saying that's realistic or not, but – in his mind, that's what he wants to go for. That's his goal. He's the ultimate competitor. He's the grim reaper now. So he's taking souls and things of that nature. And he knows that Joe Burrow, just like Josh Allen, is getting a lot of hype now. People are saying, hey, Joe Burrow may be that next rival to Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. You got Jamar Chase over there and those guys. So and you just lost to him. You just lost to him a couple weeks ago, not too long ago. This is fresh. This is not like Buffalo where that game was months and months ago where you can really throw that game out the window. This game was fresh. So that is another motivational factor as well. And look, they have legacies on the line, man. You got Travis Kelsey. He wants to be the GOAT tie. It's a legacy game, dog. It's a legacy game. No, not a legacy game, but it's a legacy playoff run. Like they Absolutely. have to the deal and win the championship. That's what I'm saying. So this is another piece in their way. The Bengals are in their way. It's not a legacy game per se, but it's a legacy postseason run. Absolutely. I, I think everything Mahomes does or touches from now, we'll, we'll have that discussion with. I'm glad we're turning the page to the Bengals because they are an exciting team. I know you think they shouldn't even get off the bus and they should just stay in Cincinnati. Don't even take the flight. But Cincinnati is here. They're in the AFC playoff game. They're at Arrowhead Stadium for a 2 p.m. kickoff against the defending AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs in the game for a fourth straight year. Joe Burrow did media today, and he talked very glowingly about Kansas City. He has a personal relationship with Patrick Mahomes, was very complimentary of their offense, and said, hey, we're a team that has lofty goals, and those lofty goals include beating Kansas City. Listen to this. You know, we're excited about the opportunity. Obviously, a really good team. If you want to do the things that we want to do, that's a team that you're going to have to beat every single year. You know, the AFC has run through them for, for four straight years. So, you know, we're excited about the opportunity. We're, we're going to have a great week of practice and we'll be ready to go. So, Burrow feels like Kansas City is just another team in their way, Mark? Or what do you read into that? I mean, they're definitely in the way. I mean, the Chiefs. They know this feeling from the other side. The Chiefs were chasing Tom Brady and the Patriots for years, even before Patrick Mahomes came into the, the picture. So now the Chiefs are that team in the AFC where you have everybody else chasing them. You know, obviously Buffalo, now Cincinnati, uh, the Ravens when they get healthy next year. I mean, all these teams, the Chargers. Chargers, Chargers, all, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're all chasing the Chiefs right now. So the Chiefs are the hunted in the AFC. And Joe Burrow understands that. But look, I mean, they have dramatically overachieved. Before the year, they were projected to finish last in the AFC North behind Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland. 
and they're in the AFC championship game. I mean, if you put money on that in the summer, you're rich right now. Because, <laughs> I mean, the odds on that must have been crazy for them to make it to this point. So, yeah. And like you said, I'm not saying they shouldn't get off the bus. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you love to put that in my, my mouth. I am not saying that because this will be a good experience for them to, you know, get the oh. book handed to them, you know? It's going to be a good experience because you got to lose before you can win. The Chiefs have to lose to Tom Brady before they can win, right? I mean, we see it in the history of sports. These young teams, they don't just don't come in here and win championships their first year. This never happens. So the Bengals are, are, are ahead of schedule is what you're saying. They're way ahead of schedule. I think it was risky for them, and we're kind of going off script here a little bit on, on Chiefs Coast to Coast, now talking about the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. I think it was risky for them, obviously, to go with the chase pick. Knowing how knowing how banged up their O-line was and the fact that they needed O-line help to help their first, their first overall pick quarterback who was coming off a knee injury, they doubled down. And they said, no, we're going to get Jamar Chase and we're going to unlock this offense with him, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. Uh, it, it's a lottery. It, it, it's almost a lottery ticket that that worked out. Like you're saying, they're ahead of schedule because uh, they took a risk and, and it paid off in year one. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow had a lot to say about that pick. Obviously, they were teammates at LSU, so they have a great relationship already. I'm sure they asked him, hey, do you want us to get this old lineman or you want to get your boy Chase? He said, hey, let me get Chase and we'll fix the line later on. Let me get my boy Chase in the building. So and it's worked out. I mean, Chase to me. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but he looks like a generational talent. I mean, when I look at him, he gives me flashes of young Randy Moss. He really go ahead, does. get the take. Go ahead, get the takeoff. He really, he really get does, the takeoff. He reminds me of young Randy Moss because he'll have games where he has three or four catches, but like for 150 yards. <laughs> like that's some Randy Moss stuff right there. Just get the ball in his hands. He could take it to the house. And we saw when he played the Chiefs the last game, he can moss people too. I mean, Ward was in great position multiple times against him, but it just didn't matter. <laughs> like Chase just snatched on him. His yards after the catch ability is something that came back um, to haunt Kansas City in that Week 17 game that, that we've been talking about. Uh, a, a couple more things, uh, much more wider scope before we get uh, a little bit closer in on, on this AFC Championship game. I think Cincinnati, and we always talk about in the NFL, uh, organizations that need to get the coach right, they need to get the quarterback right, and you got to get the front office right. That's kind of the key to unlocking success uh, in the National Football League. You want to have those three clicking at the right time, and and then you go from there. Kansas City has been a great example of that. Brett Veach has drafted well. He's had some misses like all GMs do, but he's drafted well. He molded that with bringing it with Andy Reid coming in at the right time in his system. And then Patrick Mahomes, him coming in and being able to be as successful as he's been in his first five years. That has worked for Kansas City. And I think for Cincinnati on the grander scheme of things, they've started to find a little bit of something in their coaching quarterback. Joe Burrow seems to be like the right pick that they made there. When you have those top couple lottery picks, you can't miss on those, Mark. As a GM, that defines your tenure. And even Joe Burrow coming off a knee injury and Zach Taylor starting his uh, head coaching career there in Cincinnati. It seems like they've got something right there. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, it's crazy because they were trying to run Zach Taylor out of town <laughs> about a year or so ago. Yeah. So this was kind of his make-or-break year. I mean, wow, talk about overachieving. I mean, if they just would have been 7-10, and 8-9, I think that would have been a su- successful year and he would have kept his job for at least another year. So he's definitely good for right now. And obviously, they're going to have to fix their O-line in the offseason. That's going to be their main priority, kind of similar to what the Chiefs did last year. They kind of went just all in on offensive line, obviously getting Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, then getting Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown. I expect a similar type of overhaul for the Bengals O-line heading to next year because, I mean, that's pretty much all they really need. I mean, their defense is pretty good. We obviously know their skilled players are maybe the best in the league. And when you throw yeah. in Joe Mixon, and, I mean, they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So if they can fix their interior offensive line, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the AFC for the next 10 years.
I think that that Chiefs offensive line rebuild and, and when we're talking as if this season's already over, we don't know what the end of the season looks like for either of these teams. Heck, the, the Bengals could go into the, the offseason with a Super Bowl trophy and said, dang, we did that with a with a makeshift offensive line. Let's actually invest. I know I know you're gonna have something to say about that, but just just, just, just kind of making a point that hey, it can happen. They had four they had four wins last year and are in the AFC title game now. So I think, yes, obviously they're going to have to work on their offensive line. Uh, look, looking at the divisional round for Cincinnati, giving them nine sacks, is not going to be able to get it done this week in Arrowhead. That tied a playoff record. Tennessee Titans uh, got to Burrow a lot, and he was actually the most sacked quarterback uh, in the regular season. 51 times he was sacked through 18 weeks. That, that That's protection issues uh, and, and listening to – uh, the the Bengals offensive coordinator this week. I think Joe Burrow also owns uh, part of that as well. The Chiefs game plan into this AFC championship game has to be at some point uh, to get to Joe Burrow. They got to him four times in week 17. I wonder how many times you see them getting to Joe Burrow in this AFC championship matchup. I would say at least five. I'm expecting at least five sacks, maybe six, because Ooh. the thing Ooh. is, <laughs> you think about it. They got into him four times on the road. But now they're going to be at home, so it's going to be harder for the offensive line to hear the snap count and things like that. So the D-line may get a, a faster jump off the ball in Arrowhead. So you have to assume it's going to be more than four, right? They did it on the road versus at home in the AFC Championship game, where it's going to be the, probably the loudest it's been all year, I would imagine. So I would definitely say at least five sacks. I think that's a safe – if you set the over-under, it probably have to be at mm, – Five and a half. I'll probably say that at five and a half. But sort of like, I, I think you could understand this, why he's important. I think the reason that they're here, arguably, is because of him. The one big play he made against the Raiders is he was the one that was able to strip uh, Derek Carr and set them up for a score and put them in position to be up against the – like that was the big play – that really, if you look at it, separates. That was the possession that was stolen by the Bengals was him coming around and getting a sack on. They don't Please don't do anything stupid like the Raiders did, try to block him with a tight end. Uh, that came around and stripped sack fumble. They recovered it, set him up for in a in scoring position in the red zone, and that, that was arguably the difference in why the Raiders had to try to score a touchdown and not a field goal in that game. So he is the one that can, he's made big plays in this playoffs for them that has changed the game for him. And he's the one that you got to watch in Orlando Brown. It's a lot bigger that he's here than your, your left guard having to step out and play that position. All yeah. right, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were you looking for something for me? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, no, don't know. I, I actually okay, have been impressed with the Bengals defense in the play. No, you haven't. I, I I thought that they put together a strong performance against the Raiders. And I thought they put together a strong performance against the titans overall like aj brown is just one of those dudes who is a freak so i i don't think you could do much to stop a player of that caliber in the playoffs yeah he is. but that being said that defense like bk was saying is missing stars like they've got some really nice pieces but they don't have stars to compete toe-to-toe with the chiefs stars and they haven't seen an offense like this yet in the playoffs on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. I, I just think the Chiefs offense is going to be too much for that defense to hold up. I just think that they got a really lucky draw. Again, I'm not trying to say this to diminish oh, I, anything. I, I, I completely agree. That's why that the Bengals the Raiders, have. I thought the Raiders had a real shot to get to the AFC Championship game. I said that the winner of that game, I thought, could go in and beat Tennessee. Tennessee is a number one seed that I grew up seeing my entire life with the Kansas City Chiefs. They look like the 95 and 97 Chiefs. That by smoke and mirrors somehow got a number one seed and then they're going to lose because they got a worse quarterback. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. They got a great draw that got them here, but this is a different animal. Yeah. And, and Ryan Tannehill played an all time bad game. Like Tan- yeah. Tannehill's not as bad as he looked last week. And maybe you do like sort of to your point, maybe you credit the Bengals for being able to come up with those plays. And a couple of them were really nice, but I, I think that was just Tannehill peeing down his leg in a big spot. I, yeah, I just – I. You hope Pat doesn't throw a pick on the first play of the game. That that You know, that'll make you feel better. Yeah. Right. And, right. and if he does, I have a much better feeling about the Chiefs being able to overcome something like that than Ryan Tannehill having to throw his way back into the game. It just doesn't 
it's not a great formula for the Titans to be able to come back in a game like that. You know what? While we're at and on when the Chiefs have the ball, before we get to when the when the uh, Bengals have the ball, listen, Andrew, Andrew, Walter, Reed, and Eric, gonna free ball this one, Leon, the enemy, <laughs> the two of you. <laughs> I swear before God, as we just absolutely discussed, all three of us, the Bengals don't have a lot of special players. They really got one. You are a better overall offense against them, physically in every way. They can't cover your guys. You should be able to beat these guys' heads up. There is no reason for you all to all of a sudden start to get overly creative and start to find things in the deep sections of the playbook. There is no damn reason to be so cute this week. Stop. Please stop. You have the best player in the world in Patrick Mahomes. You've got the best tight end to ever do it in Travis Kelsey. You've got the most explosive player in the game in Tyreek Hill. You've got your line intact. You do not have to get Blake Bell to do some sort of an option to McKinnon to the short side of the field for no damn reason on third and one when you just ran the ball nine yards to get there. Andy Stop. wants to spread the wealth around. He wants no. everybody who works hard to touch Listen. the football. How the hell else is he supposed to get Blake Bell no, no, the ball? No, 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 no. What, this, this you is, want Blake Bell is, running routes? No. No, this Just is not a give, this give is a nice not a blowout. Pitch. This is not a blowout in college basketball where the bench guys get to come out and play and we're trying to get everyone threes tonight. No, this is the AFC championship game. Stop it. Stop in the words it. of our dear friend, Therese Paler, who once said about the Chiefs drafting another knucklehead, not one mo, not one mo, can't <laughs> do it, not None. one mo. They had, they had Travis Kelsey and Marcus Peters and Tyreek Hill and all these dudes. He said, you can't have one mo, not one mo. In the you can't in the have last, one mo of those plays. I'm done, Andy. Two, the last two games, Andy said, Andy and Eric put their heads together and said, right now, we just got Tyreek Hill to run this thing down into the red zone. And what are we going to do? Let's have the brainy idea in three plays to never, ever put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And this will really get him going. Blake Bell, let's just take away the tendency of having him run the quarterback sneak and then bring in a damn option play to McKinnon. Not Tyreek Hill. Not you any of those on guys. Film. You got to get them in a game. Otherwise, you never know if they were. <laughs> and then, and let's go and do this. The last two playoff games, they've done this. Some reason, somebody dug in deep to go deep into the playoff, uh, to, to go deep into the playbook to be cute. They somehow, someone said, hey, Wildcat, McCole Hardman, Daryl Williams, let's do it. What happened? Scoop and score for a damn touchdown because those two look like they've never executed that before, and we have not seen Daryl Williams in a game since. Stop. Don't do it. No need. There is no need. The cuteness that they bring makes me feel like they are Boise State playing against Oklahoma when Oklahoma had Adrian Peterson and, and Heisman Trophy winner Jason White, and they got to do something to make it up. You don't. You don't. They can't cover him on third and one. They can't cover Tyreek Ty Hill on any kind of drag route, on any kind of anything. Stop. Run that leak play that they ran last year in the any uh, any given Sunday moment, right? No, R man. Run that again. Just Kill. constantly. Nobody Kill. is defending it. You can't. Nope. It is impossible to defend. It is indefensible for one, two, three yards. You cannot cover Tyreek Hill when he is sprinting out the way that he did on that play. Yep. Just can't run that. It. Just nope. continuously run that. Go one way on one play, the other way on the next one, and you'll be able to figure it out. I don't need that nonsense. And by the way, if you're going to run that, like I get you don't want to run Patrick Mahomes because of flashbacks to a terrible moment on the quarterback sneak. I think we could probably kind of move beyond that now, but whatever, neither here nor there. If you're going to run a, a pitch like that, an option play, Patrick Mahomes can do that. Like he was running really well in that game. Just put it in his hands. I'll tell you this much. Mahomes is going to actually attack the defensive end. So he doesn't tackle your running back on that play. And it might work. I still hate running it to the short side of the field, but it I might work. That. But giving it to Blake Bell was just baffling in that here? situation. Yeah. But, 
regardless, it, you can't have that in this game against the Bengals because there was some some chicanery that took place in the first time around between the Bengals and the Chiefs. I don't need to see any of that this time around. Sir, I know Travis Kelsey can throw. Don't need to see it in this game, right? Like, whatever that was, you remember that time against the Denver Broncos when Tyreek tried to throw it left-handed? Burn it. Don't need it. Don't need it. <laughs> oh, by the way, Don't last week it. they ran an actual reverse to Tyreek where he was getting the ball like eight yards in the backfield. Somehow yep. he got back to the line of scrimmage. I don't need that either. Don't need it, man. I don't I don't need it. You you can play straight up against these guys. Listen, Andy. Andy Walter, if you're listening to me, we know you're great. You're the best play designer since Bill Walsh. You don't have to check up in this game to come up with something crazy as hell that involves uh, Michael Burton, whatever Burton's first name is, the fullback, in him drop kicking something or him doing something crazy. You don't have to. I don't need to see Byron Pringle show some sort of versatility that he has not shown us before. Don't need it. Do not need it. There's most yeah, as I need. Or most I need. Hey, McCole Harmon's jet jet sweep. That's it. That's your trick play this week. Don't need it. I th- I think you just live and die with Andy Reid's play calling. Yeah, that's you. That's yeah. <laughs> that's just what you get. <laughs> Sometimes Andy does make some I mean, bad calls. Calls a bad play, and he's like, well, I mean, it worked in practice. I don't know why they couldn't execute it in the game. And you're like, well, because it's Blake Bell running the play. But Seriously, what do you whatever. think he was thinking before that? What do you think he was thinking? Well, I'll get him right now here, guys. Blake Bell, option short side <laughs> of the field. It's exactly what he thought. Yeah. I think Dave Tobe was he listening was like, like, what the hell? He's like, this play is going to crush. Like, this play is absolutely I gonna- think I honestly believe he thought, touchdown. They'll never <laughs> see this one coming. Touchdown. Right? I mean, for sure it's not yeah. first down. I mean, we know that much at, at a minimum. And Listen, Blake, I know – He could have I, extended the play a little bit. Like he I, know I, I know I should have been fired earlier this year on this show when I made Blake Bell a, a certified or an imposter. But, damn, Andy, you didn't have to come in here and, and just – I was kidding. You didn't have to come in here and just try to take this up a notch. So, seriously, stop being so cute. You guys – are better generally – I mean, at least there's advantages across the board where you don't need to check up and be cute. So uh, let, let, let's let's just be smart about this thing and, and just take advantages of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and the other receivers in single coverage. What is going on with maybe the media and maybe some NFL fans when it comes to a little bit of this Chiefs doubting and, and maybe the disrespect? There's something about the Chiefs that makes a lot of people stupid. Like, uh, that's the only way to describe it. Like, I don't get it. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of, uh, you know, bored with greatness. Like, you know, people got sick of Brady for a while and the Patriots and Belichick winning all the time. But, like, the, the best way to put it up, to sum it up here, is if, if at some point there is someone out there who really is trying to sell me that Patrick Mahomes isn't that dude – and the Chiefs aren't a potentially Mount Rushmore-type franchise in NFL lore if they go to another Super Bowl and win it. I can't help you, okay? I can't help you. Like, that that game Sunday was amazing, right? It was fantastic. Josh yeah. Allen played his butt off. He was phenomenal. By the way, uh, Exhibit A, Your Honor, why wins and losses are not a quarterback stat, that game. Like, what <laughs> else could Josh have done? But literally, his resume has an L on it because of a special teams blunder. But I, but I digress. But Josh played against, I think that everyone at Arrowhead Pride here would at, would agree, an average to potentially slightly above average defense without one of their best playmakers, Tyron Matthew. Well, Mahomes dissected a Buffalo defense that had the number one overall defense, the number one scoring defense, the number one passing defense, and the number one third down defense. And he basically said, hold my beer. I'll do whatever <laughs> I want. That's you know, right. that, that touchdown to Byron Pringle should hang in the Louvre, Okay. Nothing went right on that play. Nothing went right on that play. He rolls out to his right, two free defenders coming at him. He has to spin 180 degrees, reset his feet with two guys coming at him and throw what amounted to a perfect pass to where only Byron Pringle could catch it, and he was well defended. Like, that's the play. Like, that's it. The Bills did everything right, and it still didn't matter. So you can say whatever you want about how you feel but your feelings don't matter. The statistics matter. The data matters. The tape matters. And if you can't acknowledge that, that's a you problem. It's not a me problem. 
I think there were three throws and three moments from Mahomes in this game that I don't care how well Josh Allen was playing. I don't think anyone else in the league, Allen included, could have done. You mentioned the one to Pringle. The other one that I saw was the sidearm. No one in the league can bend the football <laughs> around like Mahomes does. And then I felt like I maybe they will be at a certain point in, in their career. But I don't think Allen and Knox, for example, could do what Mahomes and Kelsey did to end the game yeah. where there was that ad lib trust. And those three moments yeah. stuck out to me. Have you ever seen anything like that? Well, all the great teams and the great combinations have that mojo, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have good players, but if you if you have good players that click on a certain level, it becomes almost unstoppable. And right. by the way, I love when players are mic'd up like that. Like I could listen to an yes. entire game without announcers, no. just mic up players. And to hear Travis say on both of those plays after the kick, yo, if they if they man you up get behind me, I'll clear it out for you to get 19. And then on the very next play, you see him say uh, to, to Patrick, if this, if this is their look, the seam is open. And right. then on that play, you hear, because he's mic'd up, you hear Mahomes say, do it, Kelsey, do it. And then just that <laughs> subtle dodge to the left, Mahomes looks subtly to the right, shades of safety over, boom, 24 yards, and it's an easy 48-yard field goal. And not easy, but I mean, it's well within Butker's range. And I, I, he wasn't going to miss another one in that game. He, he had a bad game. Like, that's the only reason right. this game was close was Butker, who I thought might have been the best kicker of the entire weekend going, had a bad game. Because if he doesn't miss the kick for the half and the extra point, even with the two-point conversion on the 13-second touchdown, they're still down a point, 37-36. So um, the only thing that's going to stop the Chiefs is the Chiefs, in my yeah. opinion. Well, Eric Bieniemy had a quote this year that the Kansas City Chiefs needed to stop kicking the Kansas City Chiefs' ass. And I think it's yeah. still relevant to this day. Yeah, One thing absolutely. about that play I wanted to mention, and you mentioned Mahomes looking off the defender and Kelsey kind of looking off his uh, guy that was closest to him. They kind of did it at the same time, which really opened yeah. up that small window. And I, I just, I'm just so fascinated by it. Uh, I do want to get to the AFC title. But one more question about this game. Where does this game, in your history of watching the NFL and, and covering the NFL rich history where does this game rank in, in just if you, you can put the game in a vacuum you know I, I not it doesn't have yeah. to be a Super Bowl but where does this game rank for you oh it's going to go down as one of the greatest playoff games of all time like yeah. every generation is going to have their moment right like it, for old 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 football fans the greatest game ever played was the 58 title game between the Colts and the Giants first mm-hmm. overtime game in NFL history Alan Amici scores the game winner the ice bowl of the sixties, you know, yep. the seventies, you had the immaculate reception. You had the sea of hands catch for Clarence Davis ending the dolphins run as a two-time Super Bowl champs. You know, you had a bunch of games like that in the eighties and nineties as well. The Cowboys 49ers uh, NFC championship game where they met three years in a row. There's a whole generation of fans. are going to look at that game and say, that was the game of my lifetime. And I can't argue with you. Like it doesn't need to be a Super Bowl for it to be a, you know, a, a pressure packed game, any game in the playoffs, you lose, you're done. And 13 seconds is incomprehensible. And again, why wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. It was a special teams blunder. And then the reports out of Buffalo now are saying they were told to squib it and bass it. I, I can't verify that. I have no idea, but the one option they chose was the only one that could come back to haunt them. Like, let's say they, they, they squibbed it. Right. Okay. Um, you can still, Sort of, you can you can basically fair catch a kick, you know, and no time comes off the clock. So if you don't squib right. it far enough, they're too close. Or you could pooch it, uh, and you could fair catch it, and no time comes off the clock. But you're starting at the ten instead of the twenty-five, and suddenly you need fifteen to seventeen more yards. They did the one thing that potentially could bite <laughs> them in the butt, and it bit them in the butt. I know. I I can't believe it. I I go back to that moment. I'm just I'm just shocked that they didn't go in another direction and, and it left yeah. the door open for Patrick Mahomes and, and he did what he did. And I thought it was funny for Dave Topes. We just got out of the chiefs press conference. If you want to hear it, you can on from the podium here on the Arrowhead pride podcast network. But he, he had basically said, well, if they squib and something like that happens, maybe they're saying, why didn't they kick it deep? It's like football is such a yeah. results business and, and, it, and it plays into, you know, another terrible outcome for the Buffalo bills. All right, so the Chiefs get by. It is now the Chiefs and the Bengals. When I say that to you, a wide net here, what comes to mind? Well, first of all, 
the future is very bright for Cincinnati. I mean, you could make yeah. a very compelling argument, even more so than Kansas City, that they have the best collection of young talent, even though Patrick Mahomes is 26. We're, we're doing this outlier where it's 25 or younger. <laughs> yeah. You know, Burrow is 25. Uh, Joe Mixon is 25. Jamar Chase is 21. That's a hard combination to beat. So they're going to be around for a long, long time. And this is their yeah. coming out party. Uh, just for historical relevance to, to understand what's happening with, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, with Zach Taylor and Jamar Chase and and mm. Joe Burrow, they're the first team in NFL history to end a 30-year playoff win drought with multiple wins in the same postseason. So no one's ever gone that long without a playoff win and managed to win two or more games uh, in one postseason after that drought. So kudos to them. Bright things are ahead. You know, you go back and look at that 34-31 loss that you and yeah. I actually talked about quite a bit. Right. So many things went wrong for Kansas City in that game. You know, they were up 14 to nothing, 21 to 7, 28 to 17. A holding penalty negated what would have been a kick return for a score that would have made 35 to 17 at right. the half. That probably would have ended the game. Right after that, Mahomes hit Tyree Kill inside the 10 with a <laughs> pass right in his hands, and he dropped it. That would have guaranteed at least three points, I have to believe. And that might have been enough. Uh, to seal the game. They had 10 penalties. They gave up 266 yards to DeMar Chase. They allowed a third and 27 conversion. And they had one of the weirdest exchanges at the goal line. It felt like that goal line game-winning sequence went on for three days uh, in that game in Cincinnati. And that game was in Cincinnati. We right. all know Arrowhead is a different beast. And I, you know, I sort of joke about this to, to my knowledge, the only player that can beat the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead is D Ford because <laughs> he doesn't line up in the neutral zone, negating yeah. a game clinching interception with what, like 120 left, I think it was, in the 2018 AFC Championship game. We're talking about the Chiefs potentially going to a fourth straight Super Bowl, which no team has ever done except for the Buffalo Bills. So I think the future is really good in Cincinnati. I don't think it's bright. On Sunday, until someone walks in there and takes that dude down with that team at Arrowhead, you know, I spent six years in St. Louis and Kansas City is in Missouri, which is the show me state, the part where the Chiefs play. Show me. Show me you can do that and then I'll believe it. But until such time, I ain't buying it. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.